Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime crypto podcast. Emily just hit her dog in the face with a call. <laughs> to be fair, I thought he would catch it in his mouth, and he literally just let it hit him right in the face. <laughs> I'm what Emily. A, what a way to start. I'm Danielle. Um, <laughs> and the comic relief is serious. Happy Tuesday. Yes. Hopefully, it's been a good week. Yeah, hopefully you're not still hungover from drinking green beer. And hopefully you're not so tired from daylight savings. Daylight savings. God, that's kicking my ass, I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's been real shitty. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Sorry, I had a huge yawn and then she stopped talking. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I felt betrayed. I don't know what else to say. Um, I'm just a little salty with the school district I work in because they decided to give us spring break the week prior to daylight savings rather than the week after. And I would have really preferred the week after because then we could have gotten uh, our body clocks on the right time and not had to go to work and deal with crowded children because kids are going to be grouchy. I... don't feel bad for you i know you don't (laughs) but anytime you think oh gosh i wish i had the days off that danielle has just think gosh i'm so glad i don't have danielle's paycheck (laughs) she does every time she just rolled her eyes at me (laughs) i just i don't like children so i could never do your job i like specific children yeah i was gonna say you're you're good with the ones that i've seen you around that's but it's not like i just can't they all smell like syrup for some reason <laughs> or ketchup and what? yeah i just like always want to give them put them in a shower <laughs> that's the weirdest thing i've ever heard now say. that i said it though you're gonna be like wow she's right okay all right that's that's a hot take <laughs> that all children smell like syrup or ketchup yeah <laughs> And this has been Hot Takes by Emily. Um, Danielle, do you want to get in to your uh, story? I certainly can. It's uh, it's a short one this week. Um, usually mine are like over a thousand words. Um, this one is right around 800. But uh, I, I actually had a really hard time finding more information, which is kind of shocking. Um, because last week I mentioned it, it's a missing person's. Um, it is from the seventies. Okay. So maybe that's why, but, um, my story is about Helen, um, Brock, Bronch, Brock, Brock, Brock. I'm going to go with Brock, Helen Brock. Um, it's spelled B-R-A-C-H. Okay. Okay. Never heard of it. What state? Uh, it is Illinois. And you have heard that last name before, or at least you've read it before, because, you know, those white bags of candy. Yeah. If if I showed you a picture, you would know what I'm talking about. White bags of candy. It's like, it's like the hot tamale, or not the hot tamales, those like round spicy candies and the, it's got like a purple label. It's got like purple writing on a white label or on a white bag. Um, You're going to have to Google. I have no idea. I know that people listening to this right now are probably screaming at their 
radio or phones or whatever um like it's this i think they're i uh god i'm trying to think if they sell them at holiday stations um or not i can see the bag in my head oh sorry the bags aren't all purple but the or aren't all white but the logo is definitely purple oh yeah yeah okay so it's that family it's a brand yeah 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 okay um so uh it's called brock's i think and they have like um those the star chocolates yep those that you put in christmas cookies yeah yep so in um 1932 helen brock was living in miami florida and she actually wasn't helen brock yet i don't know what her last name was prior to this um but she was 21 and had just gone through a messy divorce from her high school sweetheart yikes um in 1950 she met a millionaire named frank brock his family was the candy company ej brock and sons candy company um they got married and the couple moved from Miami to Chicago, where they lived off and on. So they had a house in Miami and they had a house in Chicago. And they would kind of like bounce between the two. Um, and that they did that until Frank died on January 29th, 1970. After Frank's death, Helen was left with $30 million Whoa. in 1970s money whoa i do the conversions for all of the money except for that one because i forgot it was there so um helen was an introvert and so she really like only saw their houseman which is like the person that like helps take care of the house and he does the handiwork and he drove her around and he took care of outside and all that all that fun stuff and his name was jack matlick uh jack had worked for the brocks for over 10 years by the time that frank had died and um when frank died the candy company had already been sold so helen was was worth the 30 million that's why so she didn't still own the candy company but she had all the money from that sale still one thing that helen did with her fortune that I thought was very sweet was set up an animal rights foundation that still exists in the Chicago area today. That's awesome. So three years after, um, Frank died. Sorry, I bumped a thing and it made things happen. Um, okay, sorry. So three years after Frank died, Helen had been alone, but she had started to get involved with like a couple other things. And one of those things was, um, buying horses and she so she brought some like um i think they're called brood mares where they like breed them to make racehorses basically okay uh she was involved with a man named richard bailey and richard bailey was the owner of bailey's stables and country club stables in the chicago area in 1974, Richard had helped Helen find some horses. She paid $95,000, which is $468,995 today. Holy shit. For these horses, uh, Richard made a cool $77,500 or 382601 in today's money from this sale. 
Unfortunately for Helen, the whole thing was a scam. And Richard had been running these scams on widows, obviously wealthy widows, for a really long time. What a shit. Yeah. Basically, he would play off the horses that he was selling as like purebred racehorses or um, super well-trained horses or like just like really high quality animals and they just weren't. So Richard tried to get Helen to buy more horses for a $150,000, which would be $740,519 today. But instead of just buying the horses blind like she had previously, Helen got an appraiser involved. And the appraiser kind of checked out these horses and was like, this does not make sense. Like, do not do this deal. Something is shady here. And so um, Helen got (laughs) super pissed, didn't buy the horses, and yelled at Richard, threatening to sue him on New Year's Eve of 1976. Uh, She she threatened to sue him as well as the men that he was working with, uh, a man named Silas Jane, who had his own Wikipedia, but I didn't look into it because you know how sometimes like you'll get the... In the Wikipedia story, I'll have, like, the blue hyperlink or whatever. Yeah. His name had the blue hyperlink. So I'm assuming he's a fairly well-known person in the racing community. Or was. So Um, did she ever get the first horses? So the first horses she got. And she didn't realize they weren't that good? Right. I think that was part of the thing, though. I think she did realize they weren't as good as they were saying. And that's why she got this extra appraiser involved because the person that Richard had told her to go with had been in on the scam and said, nope, these are great horses or whatever. And like they just weren't performing like she wanted them to or expected them to. Or at all. Yeah. And so I think that's why she got this other person involved. So... On February 19th, 1977, Helen, who had been at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, was supposed to fly back to Chicago. And Jack, the the houseman that had worked for Helen and her husband, said he picked her up and brought her home from O'Hare Airport. So she did get on the flight. And then he brought her back to O'Hare the following Monday. So I had to look up what day of the week february 19th 1977 was it was a saturday so this means that two days after he picked her up he brought her back to o'hare airport to drop her off to go to florida so the biggest wrinkle with this so far is that the flight attendants on the flight from minneapolis to chicago do not remember seeing helen on the plane so there's no record of her being on the plane from minnesota to chicago oh no but that doesn't mean she wasn't there right because security airport airport security has gotten so much better and so much stricter since especially since 9-11 like before 9-11 i literally have vague memories of like going to the airport and like going to the gate and greeting someone I, i don't remember who I, I feel like m- mom's parents were involved somehow. But I just have this really vague memory of, of being able to do that. And that's all I got. That's the whole memory. It's just like we went to the gate. That's it. 
So, you know, it was a lot easier to buy tickets willy-nilly too. And like there was less um, security in general. So two weeks later, after he dropped her off at O'Hare to go to Florida, Jack called the police and reported Helen missing. So was she going to visit someone in Florida? Remember, she still has that house down there. So she was just going there by herself. Yeah. And it sounds like she was just very like to herself and like kept to herself and was just kind of quiet and introverted and like. Not that she wasn't willing to stand up for herself because she did threaten to sue Richard and his co-conspirators for the the fraud or like the scam. But I she just seems like she was kind of like, I keep to myself. I do my own thing. I'm happy. Whatever kind of situation. So um, the, Jack's stories did not match up exactly. I don't know how I couldn't find how they didn't match up, but police were suspicious. Um, but most people in Helen's life said, said that there was no way Jack was involved in her disappearance. The only one that in her family or like in her social circle that seemed to think that Jack could be responsible is her brother. I was going to say, I feel like he was like so loyal to them for so long. You, you would think, but then remember Aristocats, he was loyal too. And he tried to, Get rid of her cats. So you just never know. Um, okay. So a former FBI agent who worked the case said that he believed Jack was involved in Helen's disappearance. And people were suspicious of him for several reasons. The first was that he had been the only person to see Helen between her male clinic visit and her leaving for Florida. Jack also deep cleaned uh, a maid's room at the Brock mansion and had one of Helen's Cadillacs completely detailed. So like inside and outside. And then he ordered a meat grinder attachment from Marshall's, which everyone's like, that's so suspicious. But like, what is he going to do? Like it's a meat grinder for like food. Not like, not like a big meat grinder, like an attachment that you would use in your kitchen. So I have a hard time believing that you're going to use that on a body. My thought is, like, why even say you got on the flight? She got on the flight from Minnesota if this was your plan all along. Right. Why not just say she went missing from Minnesota? That's a great question. I just feel like there's, like, a better way you could have gone about that. Right. If he was involved. Right. So... The other reason that people are suspicious about Jack is because after Helen's disappearance, Jack cashed six checks that totaled $13,000 or in today's money, $64,178. But her accountant said that it was not Helen's signature on the checks. Okay, that's a little sketch. Right. So uh, Jack died in Pennsylvania in 2011 at the age of 79. Oh, dang. Helen's case goes cold until someone spray painted. And here's the the issue with the rest of this. I have zero dates. I don't know how long anything took. I don't know when things happened. I just know it was later. I, I literally looked and I couldn't find anything. So if someone out there is better than me at researching this stuff 
and can tell me any of the dates for this, I would really appreciate it. But I did my best. So um, someone spray painted, Richard Bailey knows where Miss Brock's body is. Stop him. So police obviously question Richard. Where? Do we by, know where? By her house somewhere, like in the area. And I don't know if it was like. And Richard Bailey's the horse guy? Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, police obviously question him. They release him. Case goes cold again. A convict named Maurice Ferguson told police that he knew what happened to Helen. He said that he was hired by another man who was another millionaire horseman named Silas Jane to transport Helen's body. Maurice said that Silas and Richard were in it together to keep Helen from exposing their horse scam. Then another man named Joe Plemons came forward and said that he had shot Helen under orders from Richard. Otherwise, Joe would be murdered. And that's literally all the information I have on those two. And then Richard was convicted of conspiracy, soliciting, and causing Helen's death, but he was never charged for murder. Um, he was released, I want to say, in like 2011. I didn't write it down. I should have. I'm sorry. Um, and then police suspect that Helen's body was dissolved in a chemical vat or a blast furnace with help from the Chicago outfit. Now you might be wondering what's the Chicago outfit. And if you're assuming it's the mob, you're absolutely correct. It is the mob. Okay. So it has been suggested also that Helen's body was buried at the stables that Richard owned, but they have not found her body as of today. So that's my whole story. That's all I got. I definitely think the horse people did it. You think it was the horse people? Oh, yeah. Even though the whole, like, random checks for... Yeah, I think maybe that was more just like a... Bad decision? I mean, obviously it was a bad decision. Yeah, bad thing to do. But I don't think it's... I don't think he murdered her for $13,000. No, that doesn't... What? Well, do you think he murdered her for $64,178? i don't i just don't it just doesn't track to me no and the The other people had more to lose right slash gain right i also don't think it was jack yeah uh i do i do think that richard was probably involved um i i don't think this one is necessarily solvable I just don't think there's enough, and I don't think there will be enough. Unless somebody confesses or somebody knows something. Well, the the biggest issue with that is now it's a lot of it's going to be, in my opinion, a lot of it's going to be like a deathbed confessional or a he said, she said, or a my grandfather XYZ told us this. I don't think any of the actual players, if they're even still around, are ever going to say anything because why would they at this point? guilty conscience maybe i just don't see it happening i have hope i'm a positive person it'd be cool it'd be nice to know but um i just don't i don't know um so my sources for this one were insidemystery.com wikipedia.org and abc7chicago.com and our sources (laughs) socials socials (laughs) mw madness podcast on instagram and gmail 
and Midwest Madness Podcast, the group on Facebook. Yes. And then really quick, there was a um, very tragic murder of some podcasters. What? In in uh, Washington State this past week. I don't remember the names. I saw it on Facebook. I can look it up really quick if you'd like. Um, podcast. Murder. Sorry. We're. Let's see. Podcast host and husband killed by stalker and murder suicide. Yikes. Um, unfortunately, this man, um, broke into their home and on, let's see, Wednesday, so it was published March 10th. So what, what day was that? Wednesday? The, it's the third. So the 10th, if it's the 13th today, sorry guys, on the 8th, on March 8th. Um, the, a killer named, uh, Ram, Raman Kodakazmarazki stalked his victim for many months before he broke into her home in the Seattle suburb of Redmond through an open window at 1.45 a.m. There's no, I want to. Her wanna. name was Zahara, Zo, Zohara Sadgi and her husband, Mohammed Nasari were both killed. Her mother was able to escape and called the police. Um, I'm trying to find the name of the podcast, but I am having a hard time finding it. But I just wanted to say, like, my thoughts and our thoughts go out to them. And, like, that's a really horrible thing. And, and it's very scary because... They like connected because of the podcast. And so um, thank you for listening. Please don't come and find us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) But um, I just wanted to like mention that because I did see that that was something that happened. Um, It's terrible. Super sad. Super, super sad. Yeah, in Seattle. Okay. And I'm trying to find the name of the podcast but it says podcast predator but i don't know if that's the name of of this part of this article or not because it doesn't say like i feel like that's what they're calling the person who killed them that's kind of what i'm thinking too well we can google and post something so the article that i read from was um the daily beast I'm going to just kind of peek and see if I can find one at a different, on a different website. Um, it's, it's just saying podcaster, podcaster, podcaster. So they catch the guy. Uh, he died by suicide. Oh, sorry. Mm. So, okay. That's terrible. Um, yeah. Hearts go out to them and their listeners. Yep. So, and I think we'll end it on that note. A really fun one. Have a good week, you guys. Bye.